We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome in Bears fans to the Picks for Polls podcast presented by Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. I am one of your hosts for this episode, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. You can check out my work on the Bear Report website. This is a bit of a unique episode because NFL training camps are right around the corner. We've got some teams that have got rookies already reporting. The Bears are reporting on Tuesday, July 25th. So we are literally right there in terms of having content for football and stuff to talk about every day from now until the second Sunday in February. But like I said, this is a really intriguing episode because in addition to giving you guys some insight on the Bears and all the offseason moves that the Bears have made in prior podcasts, we just had Pro Football Focus's Brad Spielberger on the show to go over some Bears training camp stuff. We figured, why not go around the NFC North and start looking at what the Packers and the Lions and the Vikings are doing, really just get an idea of what is going on in different franchises that we follow so closely here at the bear report as well. So for this episode, I was joined by SB nation's pride of Detroit writer, John Whitaker to break down Detroit lions off season moves, key signings, key players, state of the roster, as well as pick John's brain about what he thinks regarding the bears, Justin Fields, Chicago's roster, Chicago's off season, what the 2023 season look like for the bears. And then also I was joined by Packers wire writer, Paul Brettel, who is also on ESPN Wisconsin, one of the radio stations up there. He's a credentialed reporter as well. 
credentialed by Green Bay. And Paul and I got into the state of the Packers roster, offseason expectations, expectations for Jordan Love, as well as the offense. And then we got a chance to talk about the Bears and some of the moves that they made, as well as get into record predictions. So without a doubt, here we go. We're going to start with the interview with John Whitaker first. Again, Detroit Lions writer. And then shortly after that, we'll kick it into the interview with Paul Brittle. Joining us now on the Picks for Polls podcast as we continue counting down the days to training camp, we have John Whitaker from Pride of Detroit, part of SB Nation on the show. We're going to be talking about the Lions offseason, the Bears offseason, two teams that might actually finish atop the NFC North for the first time in God knows how long. But, John, how's it going? Thanks so much for hopping on here. And I'm really excited because we're like four to five days away from both teams reporting in training camp. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, especially this time of year, it's a little bit of a quiet period. So it's nice to kind of get together with some folks and chat about what's happening in the league and the division. Yeah, I mean, and this is one of the most intriguing teams, I think, out there because, like, forget about, you know, the whole gambling aspect of things going on in Detroit and that whole kind of fiasco. But the Lions, I think, last season down the stretch were the most surprising team. I mean, they were one in six at one point in the year, and then you kind of finish off the year on a high note, knocking off Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. But that was a much better team last year than a lot of people are going to come out and admit, including Bears fans, because I just don't think people understand there's more that goes into everything than win-loss records. But kind of take us through the overall strengths of the Lions roster. We know the pass rush as well as the secondary, the wide receiver group. Those are some phenomenal units. And then how about some weaknesses as well? Yeah, so the team uh, was really carried by their offense last year. And you can look at basically every single analytics, PFF, even yards per game kind of thing. Um, The defense was what sunk them. And really one of the things they wanted to improve upon this offseason was the defense and especially the secondary. Um, So like last year we had Jeff Okuda, you know, he kind of ended up failing in Detroit as that former third overall pick. And instead the Lions have brought in like an electric guy like C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's probably going to be their nickel guy. Um, And then they also have, who's basically going to be their top corner now, is Cameron Sutton, formerly with the Steelers. Um, It's going to be a very interesting group to see just because of the core they've tried to build here. Um, You look at what the previous um, Lions tenure was under Matt Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn, and a lot of it was swinging and missing on guys who fit Patricia's scheme. And now that they kind of changed pace and they're kind of going towards stuff that works better for A, Aaron Clinton, and also a bit more of a modern NFL, I'm hoping that this will kind of be the offseason where the defense becomes average or above average. on the offensive side of things, really, you can look at guys like Jared Goff or Amon Roy St. Brown and say, like, hey, they had really good years last year. Uh, but really, you have to give a nod to offense coordinator Ben Johnson. And uh, this past offseason, he was kind of in the, um, how do I say it? Like, he, he was a very wanted candidate for head coaching. And he actually ended up signing a kind of extension slash bonus with Detroit to keep him in here. And I think that's going to be a huge leg up for the team because Really, the play calling was phenomenal. They were using uh, incredible um, 
incredible play calls for guys who might not have been as spectacular. For example, um, Jamal Williams had a phenomenal year at running back, but he's not necessarily the most game-breaking running back out there. Meanwhile, we had Amon Ross St. Brown, who has, I, in my opinion, proven to be a, a top one receiver in the league. But some of the guys were kind of in and out of the lineup, like Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark. But the Lions were still making it do. And one of the bigger moves that the Lions made last year was trading away TJ Hawkinson. And despite that, they made do with essentially scraps like uh, James Mitchell and Brock Wright. So I think I have a lot of confidence there. And of course, the strength that you can't go without saying is the offensive line. Um, a lot of people have the Lions offensive line as one of the best in the league. And really, it, it comes down to health. If everyone can stay healthy, then, you know, they can definitely live up to that building. Um, Penesu Will is looking at one of the brighter stars in the league. Frank Ragnow um, is probably a top three center in the league. Now, you can say, like, oh, centers, they might not be as important as tackles, but really, he acts basically like a second quarterback, helping with uh, calling the blocking schemes. So he's a very versatile guy to have there. Um, elsewhere, you mentioned the pass rush, and that's a really good starting point because obviously Aiden Hutchinson is kind of the focal point of that defense. But where Lions actually got a lot of production was from some of their unknown guys. So John Kaminsky was claimed off of waivers back in training camp, I believe. And he was kind of thought of just as like, you know, bottom of the roster guy filling up a gap, really. And he actually uh, really performed well with the Lions. Um, in particular, him and Hutchison were doing very well in a scheme um, called a NASCAR package. So basically, Hutchison and Kaminsky would kind of be on the inside, and then they would have some of their quicker uh, rush linebacker-ish kind of players on the outside. And one of those guys that came on late in the season was James Houston. Uh, he was a sixth-round rookie and actually did not make the initial team. He was cut, and honestly, for good reason. In training camp and preseason, he wasn't overly good. He didn't look outstanding as either linebacker or pass rusher, but they gave him some seasoning on the practice squad and man, he showed up. I think the stack was he had eight sacks in seven games, something along that line. Um, really spectacular. That being said, though, it might be a bit too antsy to say that he's uh, going to be repeating that. More so, we want to see a bit more of a rounded pass rushing um, presence out of him. But otherwise, really, I think there's a lot to be excited about that effort. So you mentioned Ben Johnson, and I know he had an interview with the Panthers. I know for a fact that he was kind of one of the hottest names in this head coaching carousel back in January. But was that easily, I think, Ben Johnson coming back? Can you easily say that that's the biggest offseason win and move for the Lions? Because you get a guy back who pretty much engineered the offense, put Jared Goff in a position to succeed, took a young group of playmakers and helped them take another step forward. Yes, uh, 100%. That is the best move they could have made aside from somehow getting Patrick Mahomes for free, but that was never going to happen. Um, if you look back at 2021, which is the Lions' first season under Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell, um, at, their time, at the time, their offensive coordinator was Anthony Lynn. And if you look at the schedule, the Lions really stunk out of the gate. I think the stack was, yeah, they went 0-10-1 to start the season. And one of the key things that actually happened just after the bye was Anthony Lynn stopped calling plays as offensive coordinator, and instead Dan Campbell started calling plays. However, a person who became more involved in the team at that point was Ben Johnson, who at the time was the tight ends coach, I believe. 
So then last year was his first real opportunity as the offensive coordinator. And as you saw from the results, once everything started clicking after the first few weeks, really that offense was among the best in the league, which is especially impressive when, you know, they didn't have any dominant running backs on paper. They had St. Brown, but, you know, Jameson Williams was out for the essentially the first half of the season as he was recovering from a college injury. And then, you know, guys like DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, they weren't really healthy and even then they were kind of middling. So what really elevated the team was the play calling and making the, the most out of some sometimes less than optimal situations. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you mentioned, you know, not so elite running backs, not the best, I want to say, like, not necessarily household names, but the Lions did draft Jamar Gibbs. They brought in Jack Campbell as well as Sam Laporta, the two Iowa guys, me living here in the Midwest and growing up around a whole bunch of Iowa fans. I mean, never hear the end of those guys, but just break down the Lions rookie class for us because this is a team that had two first round picks. They really took an interesting approach to the draft, trying to secure as many picks in the top 100 as they could. And right now, you know, if you're a fan of 31 other teams around the league, you're looking at a guy like a Jack Campbell or a Sam Laporta, and you may even go ahead and say, all right, who are those guys? But the Lions have every, you know, ounce of belief in their rookie class that this is the rookie class that could finally put this team over the top and kind of round out what Holmes and Campbell have spent the last couple of years building. Yeah. One of the narrative coming out of the draft was that the Lions weren't really drafting high value positions. For example, they drafted a running back 12th overall. They drafted an off all linebacker 18th and a tight end at the start of the second round. And really probably the best value pick that everyone agreed upon was Brian Branch in the second. And then even if you look a bit further in the third round, the Lions took Hendon Hooker, who for one is an older prospect. And then also he's basically missed most of the year with a ACL injury. So on paper, you look and say, oh, you know, the Lions, they're not getting great value for those picks, especially some early picks. But it's kind of weird for me to say, but the Lions are kind of in a situation where they can afford to do that because for so many years, the Lions were like, oh, man, we really need these star players because just the, ros the roster is completely barren. And now where the Lions finally have better starters, they have better depth, all of a sudden you can justify taking those guys hot. And especially looking at um, Gibbs, um, on paper, I wasn't super keen on him at, in the first round. But him paired with David Montgomery, of course, 
one of the former Bears running backs, um, should replicate, if not exceed, what the Lions had with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams last year. You bring up David Montgomery, and I will tell you firsthand, because I spent, you know, four years, like Montgomery's first four seasons were here in Chicago, and I will say that I know one of the clips went viral on social media from the Lions account where he's like, well, I'm looking most forward to facing the Bears. But I will say, in terms of that locker room, David Montgomery is a perfect person to walk in there and help such a young team develop. And then on top of that, you know, he doesn't have the home run speed that you would like out of a running back, but he is definitely one of the toughest and hard-nosed, most hard-nosed runners out there. But, I mean, looking at these Lions rookies, who do you think is going to burst onto the scene from the five or six guys that they drafted in the top 100? Because I'm looking at, you know, the list right now, and, I could make the argument that it's probably going to be Brian Branch, but I could also see someone like a Jamar Gibbs or even a Jack Campbell becoming a fan favorite. And then I think the wild card, of course, is Sam Laporta, knowing that Detroit did trade away TJ Hawkinson to Minnesota halfway through the season. Yeah, it's one of those things where really any of those early guys could do it. Um, Gibbs in particular, um, he's going to be, it's hard to, forecast what the backfield share is going to be like, but if it's something similar to last year, more likely than not, Gibbs will kind of be a receiving role. And especially if you're a fantasy football player, that can be huge if you're looking for guys who catch the football a lot. Um, you know, some people are thinking like, oh, maybe you'll have like 1,500 purpose yards. And, you know, that's a, a decent ex, uh, expectation. I'm hoping to at least see like 500, 500 out of him. And then that's like a bare minimum and anything more, you know, can I go from there? I've kind of trained myself not to expect too much from rookies just because I really don't like setting high expectations. But at the same time, running back is a position where you can see these guys explode out of the gate. On the opposite end of the spectrum is tight end and Sam Porta. And those guys typically have really slow rookie seasons. Um, that being said, Laporta's in a very interesting situation where he's no, unquestioned the best tight end on the team after trading away Hawkinson. However, he might not be that tight end one right away. Um, Laporte is almost a better slot receiver. You could think of him as like a big slot, um, similar to uh, Mike Jusicki in uh, Miami, or I think, is he still there? I, whatever. Um, whereas if they're looking for a bit more of a traditional tight end, they'll probably go with guys like Brock Wright or James Mitchell. So in terms of actually earning that tight end one role, he might not get that right away. However, from a receiving threat, especially with Jamison Williams being suspended, he could see the offense quite early and quite often. Um, I do like that you mentioned Brian Branch because he was actually one of my favorite prospects in the draft, and I was thrilled to get him in the second round. However, for him starting in Detroit, it might be a bit tricky just because of how greatly the defense has been revamped because um, he's considered a safety, but he's more of a nickel guy. Whereas CJ Gardner Johnson is basically his <laughs> his parent, he does the exact same thing. Just he's has more experience. So I think long term, especially with a Gardner Johnson um, under a one year contract, more likely than not, um, he'll kind of be waiting in the wings, and then probably next year and then year beyond, he'll kind of develop into that role. That being said, if injuries do happen, maybe Gardner Johnson steps back into a more traditional safety role, and then you slot in a guy like Branch there. So there's a lot of versatility with him, and I think that's one of the highlights of him being selected. Um, the other guy you did mention was Jack Campbell, and right now our unquestioned starter at off-ball linebacker is Alex Anzalone. 
Um, but really beyond that, it's basically between Campbell, Derek Barnes, and I don't know who watched Hard Knocks, but the uh, Cowboy, Malcolm Rodriguez. So really any of those three young guys could earn a role besides Anselo. So really that's something we'll kind of see what happens. Um, all of those guys are athletic. They all have a lot of potential. I think the question is who shows it first and who shows it more consistently during training camp and preseason. See, that to me there signals that, I mean, we know it's one of the younger rosters in the league. We know that this is a team that's hungrier than ever to prove itself, but there is so much competition that is going to be worth watching when the Lions report to training camp next week. But what are some key storylines that people around the league, people that are listening to this podcast need to know when it comes to the Detroit Lions beyond just, hey, this is a team that's ready to take another step forward and what is a wide open division? Yeah, I think really the biggest thing is you need to see Jared Goff repeat his honestly quite excellent 2022 campaign. Uh, I mentioned that comes down to having Ben Johnson back, but also the offensive line. Um, the Lions have invested so many assets into the offensive line. Um, I think they have four first round picks on the offensive line right now. Obviously, some of those are carry over from the previous regime. Um, this is a unit that if it's healthy, it can be one of the better units and honestly it needs to be one of the better units because jared goff i don't want to call him skittish but he's a guy who has trouble with confidence and if he gets rattled sometimes like when you see him making dumb mistakes and we saw that a lot in 2021 his first year here in detroit whereas last year the offensive line was holding up quite well and then he was given time to make plays downfield if the offensive line can stay healthy that'll be key and right now all four Offensive line spots are locked in except for right tack, uh, sorry, right guard. And so that's going to come down to helpfully by Ty and uh, newly acquired uh, Graham Glasgow, who was formerly with the Lions. So one of those two guys will end up starting unless there's a huge surprise. But even then, regardless of who wins that battle, it should still be a quite good unit. So hopefully, um, or should I say uh, hopefully for Chicago, we're, we're hoping to see some, uh, some health and productivity out of that group. So you bring Chicago up and naturally just working in this business is crazy because we all cover kind of one specific team at times, but you kind of have to also keep a tab on what's happening around the league, but also within your division. What are your thoughts on the Bears offseason? You know, how do you feel like they improved? What do you feel like they still have to improve on? What are your impressions of Justin Fields? Because it's, it's weird because when I talk to other NFC North people around the league, especially when I will say like Packers and Vikings fans, more so Packers fans, they are under the impression that the Bears and Lions have done nothing at all to improve this offseason. But it's kind of like I said earlier, right? We could be sitting here in a situation come first week of December where the Lions and Bears are locked in for the division race. Yeah, and I think the... 2023 Chicago Bulls are actually very similar to where the Lions were entering last year because you guys were basically coming off a, dare I say, dumpster fire season. And um, I think the Lions had made a lot of kind of under the radar offseason moves. And I think the Bears have done that too. Now, one of the less off the radar moves was obviously trading for um, DJ Moore. Now, that alone should help out Justin Fields, who I was a huge fan of Fields coming out in the draft. And really what he's done with his legs has been phenomenal, but he needed help with 
um, his receiving core. And that was similar to what happened with the Detroit Lions in 2021. They had Jared Goff, but they essentially had no one for him to really rely upon. At the time, we had a rookie on the room, St. Brown, who wasn't heavily involved in the offense. And I guess really Chicago had a similar thing where at the time you guys had really a Chase Claypool and then I believe Mooney was hurt too. And so those are some guys who are, in my opinion, pretty talented, but you needed to find that good environment for them. And I think having a really bona fide number one receiver like Moore will be great because then Mooney can be your slot guy. Chase, Chase, Poole, uh, Chase Claypool can be your two guy. And really that's shaping up for a lot of good targets. And the other thing Chicago really needed to improve upon was that offensive line because when you have a rookie quarterback and they have a bad offensive line, that teaches them bad habits. You know, the panic, and especially for a guy like Fields who can make uh, some noise with his legs, you might think like, oh, you know, the offensive line is going to break down really quick. I have to quickly look off my read and then bolt. Whereas now that Chicago is honestly putting together a really promising offensive line. Now, obviously, you have some young guys up there, like Tevin Jenkins. Um, one of the things that my fellow Lions writers at Pride Detroit were actually hoping for was uh, Darnell Wright. They really liked him in the draft. And so to see him go to uh, Chicago was uh, a bit upsetting for a few of them. And really, if that offensive line can play like the talent they can, Chicago can really turn itself into a pretty good offense. And then I think really defense is, I think, if I'm mistaken, the biggest question for Chicago. But at the same time, you guys do have some talented guys there. Like, obviously, you brought in a guy like Jermaine Edmonds. And really, if you can find some of that magic that, you know, the Bears of like the mid-2000s and early 2010s, if you can get some of those kind of defenses, you know, it could be a quick turnaround. And one of the things that you did mention earlier was about the Packers. And with Aaron Rodgers out, really, it feels like it's a division that almost anyone can grab. And I think it's very easy to dismiss the Chicago Bears, but I think that's a mistake. Yeah, it like this Bears roster is so intriguing. And I will say, I mean, the entire division in general is just one of the most intriguing because if you had asked me, like, I've been doing these season previews every single year, and without a doubt, the consensus every year seems to be, well, Green Bay is going to end up winning the division. Now, last year, that wasn't the case with Minnesota winning the division, but I mean, throughout the Aaron Rodgers era, it was always, well, the Packers are going to be the ones who take home the NFC North crown because people got so used to seeing it. But ultimately, I look at it and say this thing could go either one of two ways, right? We know the Vikings kind of tore down the roster this past year. Yes, they added guys like Jordan Addison in the first round. They had a okay draft, but the reality is that Adam Thielen's not in Minnesota anymore. It's kind of the Justin Jefferson shows it's been. You're still hoping to figure out what you have with Kirk Cousins and hope he can find some sort of consistency because one year he's up, the next year he's down. But Green Bay is easily the most intriguing one of the most intriguing teams to watch for regression, not because Aaron Rodgers is gone, but also because they lost a lot of talent. But what was it like when you saw from like a Lions writer's perspective, what was it like when you saw Aaron Rodgers has finally gotten traded? Cause I remember where I was at that specific time and moment. And I'm like, Oh cool. Something that I expected to happen has finally happened. Even though we've been waiting three years for it to actually take place. But how about, you know, a Lions perspective on that. Yeah, I think my perspective is quite similar to most Bears fans' perspective. And it's like, good riddance. Thank you for leaving. You should have retired years ago. 
Um, all of a sudden, like he's really the big bad of the NFC North for all these years. And then now it's left with Jordan Love. And really, that doesn't have the same vibe to it. And you can say, well, you know, they still have uh, Aaron Jones. We still have some promising young receivers. They still have a good offensive line. End of the day, you really need a quarterback to make things work in the NFL. And Jordan Love is essentially a rookie. I mean, I think this is his fourth year, and he's had very limited action. He hasn't been a world beater when he has been on the field. So it's a huge mystery what's going to happen in Ingrid Bay. Because if Love can play at an average level, you know, they can still be a good team. But really the question is, what's going to happen at quarterback? And you had also mentioned um, the Vikings. And I'm really low on the Vikings. Mainly because last year they finished with 13 and 4 record, but man, some of those were stupid wins. Like, you need to look no further than the historic comeback against the Colts. I mean, and those Colts weren't world beaters either. And then also they had that, I'm not sure if you remember that ridiculous fumble at the goal line on a quarterback, Neil, that they recovered for a touchdown and they went to overtime against the Bills and won. And like, those are the kind of stupid things that happens to the Vikings that I really don't think is going to happen next year. I think there were a lot of coin flip ones, a lot of, dare I say, fluke wins. And I think um, the Vikings are going to be in a bit of a tough spot next year. All right, getting back to some Bears stuff here, got one or two more questions for you. But, I mean, we know around the league it's the worst kept secret that like Justin Fields faces the most pressure of any of the players going into their third or fourth season, but which Bears player have you had your eye on specifically outside of fields to say, yeah, that's a guy that has to take a step forward in 2023 because he's essentially facing a boomer bust season. That's definitely a tough call. I do want to say someone on defense, but I can't quite pick one. So I think instead what I'll do is say Chase Claypool because the Bears essentially gave up a first round pick for him, right? It was that first uh, first pick of the second round that was 32 because the Dolphins forfeited the pick. And really his first uh, while in Chicago was not good at all. And especially with DJ Moore to kind of take away attention and hopefully with the rebuilt offensive line, that should give Justin Fields a lot more time to make these throws that can hopefully benefit Claypool. But even then, I think even when the ball was being thrown at him, I don't think he was overly impressive from what I recall from limited action watching the Bears. Sorry, it wasn't very good year. It wasn't about prime TV. Um, I think that's a guy who needs to prove his worth, um, especially when you look at the potential of Chicago because they have a high-flying offense. I mean, look at a team like Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, a great running quarterback, but how many years have they been lacking those true elite wide receivers? And, you know, Lamar has been able to make do with his arm. And I think the Bears want uh, Justin Fields to really be that caliber of player who can run really well, but also throw really well. And I think the pieces are in place there for Chicago. And I think Claypool is a guy who needs to step up. Claypool seems like the most obvious answer i would say but i'm in the same boat as you i mean he's definitely been one of the guys on top of my list to say like hey you have to kind of figure this out 
I will also say this, that at the time when the Bears made the trade, like, number one, they weren't guaranteed the first overall pick. DJ Moore, there were rumors he could be traded, but that never really materialized until the Bears for sure had the first overall pick. So it was kind of a move that you made in the moment to kind of go low risk, high reward for the future. But last one I have for you here, John, is this. I mean, give me a Bears record prediction for the 2023 season as well as a Lions record prediction. Oh, man. See, record predictions, this is where I'm always a bit of a pessimist. Now, for me, I think this is one of the better opportunities for the Lions to make the playoffs in the past. Oh, man, this is bad. Like 20 or or so years. Ouch. Um, I think the Lions, I would put them at maybe like 11 wins or so. Um, As usual, it's so hard to predict how teams are going to look over the course of the season. the tricky thing for Detroit is they open up with a pretty tough slate with uh, the Chiefs and then the Seahawks. And then at the same time, you look later on in the season and, you know, are the Broncos going to be good? Are the Saints going to be good? Are the Bears and Packers and Vikings going to be good? And it's like, it's really hard to say because there's so much uncertainty. So I think the Lions have enough talent and hopefully if that talent plays well. I think they can hit 11 or so wins and I'm hoping that's enough for playoffs. Um, it's been quite competitive in the NFC. So we'll see. For Chicago, I think um, you obviously can't set the bar too high coming off a three-win season, but I think realistically, um, if you guys can get to 500, I think that's a decent season because I don't think Chicago is really looking at this season as, okay, this is the year we need to compete. I think it's just one more step in the rebuild. And as I said, kind of like one year behind Detroit. And so for them to basically hover around 500, similar to what the Lions did last year, I think that's good. If anything, Chicago, they need to show some of the more fundamental stuff. Can Justin Fields elevate his game as a passer? Can the offensive line step up? Can the defense step up? And really, if you can get shine uh, a few shining examples out of that, I think that can definitely be some good promise for Chicago. John, this has been awesome. Where can people follow you, keep up with your work, and just, you know, read yourself throughout the season? Yeah, so I write for prideofdetroit.com with SB Nation. So simply just prideofdetroit.com. Nice and easy. Uh, You can find us on Twitter, Pride of Detroit. And for me personally, um, my Twitter is, or Twitter should, as long as it lasts for, is uh, Whitakar, W-H-I-T-I-C-A-R. Not really on threads right now. I have an account, but I'm sure that's going to be a thing. So we'll just stick to Twitter. That's where most of my hot takes and uh, dumb comments and memes are. So if you want to get some insight and maybe have a laugh or two, you can always uh, stop by and hopefully we'll provide a bit of entertainment and knowledge for you. Absolutely. Thanks so much again for doing this. You're welcome on the show at any time. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Bears fans. So that right there was John Whitaker. Once again, you can follow him on Twitter at Whitaker. Check out his work if you are just looking to gain some insight as to what the Detroit Lions are doing up next. So like I said, we've got Paul Brettel of the Packers Wire on breaking down anything and everything to do with the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love heading into 2023. So enjoy this one too. Joining us now for the second of our third NFC North interview, we've got Paul Brettel. He is a contributor for the Packers Wire, but he's also an analyst for ESPN Lacrosse Wisconsin, I believe. So he's kind of really immersed himself in the Wisconsin sports space. Paul, how is it going? Thanks so much for hopping on here. Got a couple more days until NFL teams report to training camp. So we're officially there, I feel like. 
Yeah, just about. And I appreciate the invite. Happy to happy to join you and always happy to talk Green Bay Packers. But yes, I cannot wait for training camp to start and at least to some degree early on the pads coming on. Yeah, it's it's weird because like the first I want to say week or so of training camp, it's everyone scrambling for news. But the real excitement I feel like begins once the pads officially come mm-hmm. on. Anyways, like I said, this is an NFC North kind of Packers preview here. We're gonna be going over some Packers and Bears stuff. You know, Paul's gonna be diving into the state of the Packers roster because newsflash, it does go much deeper than the quarterback position. <laughs> um. And I won't even lie, it's I'm kind of so relieved that the season's finally here because I feel like May, June, July, the last three months have pretty much just been like surrounding the quarterback position. And I've constantly mm-hmm. pounded the table and been like, okay, it gets deeper than that. I don't know if it's the same for you guys up in Green Bay too, in terms of people like, you know, you got your amateur fans and just your fan base in general that's like, it's quarterback this, quarterback that. And it's like, okay, we understand it's about the quarterback, but there's X number of other positions that you kind of have to pay attention to. Yeah, that's 100% it. And I'm sure we'll get into it, you know, as we dive into the discussion here. But like, offensive line play is going to be so important for the Packers this year. And, you know, when you have a first time starting quarterback, as Matt LaFleur said, expectations uh, should be tempered. And to give him. Jordan Love, in this instance, the best opportunity to be successful. It's going to take everyone around him, you know, playing playing well as well. So I have to ask you, because for me, I remember where I was, what I was doing when Aaron Rodgers was traded. <laughs> I also remember sixth grade. This is a bit of a funny story here, right? But anyway, sixth grade, I remember it was Monday Night Football and Aaron Rodgers making his debut against the Vikings at Lambeau Field, I believe. And the kid sitting across from me who also lived down the street from me was a Packers fan. And sixth grade me continued to trash Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, (laughs) this is not going to end well for you guys. But that's, I feel like, you know, your typical, like, middle school trash talk that takes place Mm -hmm. outside the cafeteria. We've all kind of been there, but when the trade finally happened, I mean, what was your reaction from a green Bay reporters perspective? Because I feel like, you know, the typical reaction for a lot of people in the NFC North was, Oh my God, it's done. It's over with, but knowing, you know, some of the green Bay people that I talked to, there's a certain vibe that I got in terms of, you could have rolled it either way with Jordan love or Aaron Rodgers going into this season. Yeah, so I think when it actually happened, it was almost like because there what what had been like at least four weeks, maybe five six weeks, where we knew something was coming. It was just at that time about working out the details, and I was actually at Lambeau Field. We were sitting in the media auditorium because Brian Gudikins was set to speak at three thirty that day because it was draft week, so he was set to talk about the upcoming draft. And at about 3.15 or 3.20, about 10 minutes before he came into the room, the I think it was Schefter who broke the news, came out, and we all just kind of looked at each other like, is, is this real? And then you go to like Schefter's Twitter account to make sure it's the real Adam Schefter. And so, I mean, from a timing perspective, considering that we had Brian Gudikins in front of us in 10 minutes, I mean, that worked out well, although because it wasn't official at that time, he wasn't not as if he was diving into specifics about anything right away. But I think ultimately is a move that 
was best for both parties. I mean, we've, we've seen some interviews now with Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets, and he looks he looks rejuvenated. You know, he looks looks like he's enjoying himself out there. And from the Packers' perspective, you know, they had spent two, three years trying to run it back, run it back. And last year it felt like they had just kind of squeezed all the juice that they could have out of that out of that specific team. And in terms of trying to, you know, make a Super Bowl run, which is the ultimate goal, you know, it it felt like a, the time was right to transition, so to speak, and I guess usher in the new era. Was there, I guess, you know, from your guys' perspective up in Wisconsin, I mean, was there a point where you were like, okay, this is clearly it's getting to a point where you kind of just want it to be over with instead of continuing to kick the can down the road, knowing that there's a younger option waiting in the wings that, quite frankly, everybody should be excited to see? Yeah, I think this year in particular, that was the case. And in large part, that was just because of how the season ended. I mean, they finished the year eight and nine. They missed the playoffs. You know, it, it would have been different if it probably would have been a different feeling if they had even won that Detroit game at the end of the year and made it to the playoffs and maybe they win a game or so. But, you know, just that, that disappointment around not making the playoffs. I think a lot of people, again, thankful for Aaron Rodgers for everything he's done. As, as a member of the Green Bay Packers, just a, a, as a fan, a, immense amount of memories. But it, it just also felt like, again, for both parties, I think it was just that time to go their separate ways. See, to me, I liken it to when the Bears and Jay Cutler had kind of reached their wits end. And at that point, you're just like, all right, you know, it's clearly time to go ahead and move on because this thing just – isn't working anymore and how much longer are we going to continue to pump, you know, Mm -hmm. false hope into the organization and the fan base, but getting away from Aaron specifically focusing on the state of the Packers roster. This is a team that, you know, they had a significant amount of turnover this past season. You look at, you know, Adrian Amos, he is now with the New York Jets. You look at Alan Lazard signing with the Jets, Dean Lowry signing with the Vikings, Robert Tunyon signing with Chicago. I mean, really a handful of key pieces that mm-hmm. made up the Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers Packers. They've moved on. And so what's next for this team? Because they had a really intriguing draft, if you know, you're asking me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, for me, in terms of expectations this season, and what I hope to see, you know, it goes beyond the win and loss column. What we need to see from Jordan Love specifically in this Packers offense is progression. You know, that first Aaron Rodgers season after Brett Favre left, the Packers were 6-10. and 10, But you saw on Sundays, you saw on film, you know, maybe not at the time that you're thinking he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but you saw someone that you could say, all right, he can be our guy moving forward. And ultimately what the Packers have to get to is a year from now or sooner than that, but next offseason, knowing whether Jordan loves the guy or if he's not. Because if he is, we start building around him, and they've already begun to do that on the offensive side specifically. But if he's not the guy, then you need to start looking for who the next potential option is. What we can have happen is get to next offseason, and there's this kind of in-between feeling on him because that just prolongs whatever sort of 
or prolongs the process in whatever sort of world that they're living in. So what we need to see from him is progression. He's a first-year first starting quarterback. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be turnovers. But it's also his fourth year in the NFL. It's his fourth year in the Matt LaFleur offense. He, he shouldn't have the same leniency either as like a rookie would. So we need mm-hmm. to see that progression. The mistakes that happen in week two shouldn't be happening in week five, six, seven, or at least not as often, depending on what the mistake is. So we need to see progression from Jordan Love, and we need to find out who are going to be the core pieces of this roster moving forward. There's a lot of young players on offense. Uh, there's talent on the defense. Who are going to be the guys that you know, especially if Love does find some success this season that we can look at in 2024 and go, here's our core that we're going to build around to hopefully open up another window for the, for the foreseeable future. So those are kind of the big things on on my list that I hope that we learn this season um, moving forward. So you mentioned figuring out who the core is because, I mean, this is a roster that they have won a significant amount of turnover. And you look at last season, I mean, Christian Watson started off kind of slow, but he really hit his stride as the season progressed. You look at the running game, and I think, you know, it's fair to say Green Bay's got as good a running game in A.J. Dillon as well as Aaron Jones as any of these other teams in the NFC. But what about your overall assessment of this Green Bay roster? Because when most outsiders look at it, they're going to say, you know, it's a roster that's not quite ready to compete for, and again, it's outside of quarterback, but it's a roster that isn't necessarily championship caliber. But there is a lot of young, high upside guys when you've got, you know, eight or nine first round picks on the defensive side of the wall. And then there's so much potential on offense as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the defense is. I mean, they lost Adrian Amos, but for the most part, this defense is um, largely the same players coming back. And, you know, the hope is that they can reach the ceiling that I think, or the expectations that I think many of us have for them. And a big area where they're going to have to get better is run defense. That's something that's been an issue for the Green Bay Packers for, for a number of years now. And if that defense is going to find success, that's where it begins. You know, we look at their team last year. They ranked 28th in yards per carry allowed. Uh, they ranked 30th in run defense by DVOA. And that just puts, you know, when the offense is picking up four, five, six yards on first down like they often were, it puts the defense on its heels. You know, when the offense is in second and short, third and short, it opens up the entire playbook for them and leaves the defense guessing to a degree on what's coming. But if they can get a he- but if they can keep the offense behind the stick, slow the run, they have uh, a lot of potential in terms of pass rushers getting after the quarterback. Rashawn Gary will be back in the mix. Of course, they've got Kenny Clark, Preston Smith. Uh, they just drafted Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden in the fourth round. Like they have guys who can get after the quarterback, but they have to be in situations where they can utilize that strength. So stopping the run for the defense is going to be incredibly important. And from there, there's just a positive trickle down effect when you can do that to every other position on that side of the ball. Everybody benefits when you're slow in the run. Offensively, ton of inexperience at the skill position group. Romeo Dobbs and his 529 career snaps 
is the most experienced receiver on this roster right now from that perspective. At tight end, they have Josiah DeGuara, who's entering his fourth season, but he's more of an H-back. Like if the Packers could use him in the role, in the specific role they want him to, he would do that job versus uh, traditional tight end responsibilities. So they're going to be relying heavily on Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, second and third round picks. And historically, rookie tight ends, even those taken in the first round, like they don't they don't produce heavily in their first season. Matt LaFleur said that outside of the quarterback position, he considers that to be the second toughest transition from college to the NFL. And in large part, that's because of all the responsibilities that that player has. They have to be versatile, moving around the formation, uh, effective pass blockers, run blockers, like an offensive tackle, no route concepts like a receiver. There's just a lot that goes into that role. But the Packers have a ton of upside there, as you mentioned as well. They they haven't had a guy like Luke Musgrave in terms of just physical skill set and his speed, ability to stretch the field since I can't remember when. And then at receiver, again, a lot more speed. Christian Watson, they added Jaden Reed to the mix, who the Packers clocked during the, the pre-draft process, running a 4-3-7. So they have speed. They have versatility at both of those positions. And that's going to help open up the Matt LaFleur playbook in terms of achieving that illusion of complexity that he often refers to, which keeps defenses off balance and allows them to run a variety of plays from just a few personnel packages. So you can see the upside, as you mentioned, but there's also going to be a ton of ups and downs. Like There's a lot of excitement around Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, but look at the rookie seasons. It was a roller coaster ride for both of them to, to a degree that's going to be expected for, for a lot of those guys. You broke down the Green Bay offense in perhaps one of the best ways I've seen because when I look at the playmakers and pieces that this team has added this offseason, I mean, it's very clear that what they're trying to do on offense is they're not just trying to play more of that true traditional Matt LaFleur-style football, that Shanahan-style offense, but they're trying to do one thing, which is get much faster mm -hmm. and more production out of the skill positions because the last couple of years has kind of just been this run first. It's very clear, right? Matt has a certain level of confidence in Jordan Love to be able to operate his offense at a much faster and more efficient pace than, you know, maybe we saw Aaron Rodgers go ahead and do it because there's a big difference between a guy that's in his mid to late 30s operating this offense versus a young buck who's been on the sideline for the last couple seasons. But, you know, training camp, I mean, there's tens and thousands of storylines from mm -hmm. the undrafted free agent from a small D3 school that has one really good day to whatever the quarterback is doing. What are some key storylines to monitor over the next basically five to six weeks here from the Packers perspective? I think uh, we hit on a few of them, obviously Jordan love and how he's progressing through practice. The during OTAs and mini camp, the Packers had five practices that were open to the media. They were able to attend. And some of the things that stood out to me, um, both on the field and then uh, when Love was having a press conference, he has a very just calm confidence about him. Mm -hmm. um, very even keeled. You see that on the practice field after a good play, after a bad play, uh, not getting too high, not getting too low. You see him talking with the players uh, in between plays, which I assume was, you know, uh, diagnosing, talking about what just took place. And some of the things that stood out were his aggressiveness and I mean that in a good way not just chucking the ball downfield but letting it rip you know when 
the windows open, taking it and throwing it right away, um, going through his progressions, his footwork, movement drills. Those have been points of emphasis for him. And he was heavily targeting the middle of the field. Uh, that's a part of the field that Aaron Rodgers did not throw to very often, but I expect in the Fleur offense with Jordan Love, we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, reason being, it's a great way to get guys the ball in space and then going back to the speed we just talked about that this these skill position players have, uh, yard after the catch ability as well. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. So th- that's what stood out to me during those open practices in, in watching Love. And again, it was up and down. There were some beautiful downfield throws. Then there were overthrows. He was quick out of the huddle, commanding the line of scrimmage. Then there was an interception. So it was as expected, but you but you hope to see that um, just kind of more, again, progression going back to that part of it. And Matt LaFleur said that at this stage of the game, and this was during offseason programs, obviously once we get to training camp and preseason, things ratchet up a few notches. But he said at that time of the year, he's not worried about the end result. It's about love's process. And if the process is correct, more often than not, you would expect the result to be as well. So what's love's process like and what's the end result? Uh, the the consistency of the skill position players are, again, another big emphasis, something we'll all have our eyes on. Because, again, they're young. There's a lot of upside, but there's going to be ups and downs as well. Along the offensive line, the right tackle position is up for grabs right now. The two guys competing for it are Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. On the defensive side of the ball, again, I'd say the run defense, specifically what are their run uh, rotations look like because it's Kenny Clark, uh, TJ Slayton, and Devontae Wyatt are the only three guys in the interior defensive line room who have any NFL snaps on the roster. Like if I know the the backup quarterback, wide receiver, tight ends garnered a lot of attention, but if there was a position the Packers were going to go get a free agent at at this point, that's the one I'd be pounding the table for, get another veteran presence along that defensive line. And then the other big storyline on defense is the safety position. I, I don't, I'm not sure how things are going to shake out on that back end. What we do know that LaFleur said is Darnell Savage is going to be the starter. Uh, who's going to be starting next to him is very much up in the air. Who makes the team at that position after those first two spots is going to be up in the air. Um, so I guess those, those are the big items that are going to be front of mind for me as things get underway. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about Jordan Love throwing it to the middle of the field targeting that specific area. I mean, they added a handful of tight ends too this offseason, so that's something that should hopefully aid in his development. But switching mm-hmm. gears here, I mean, you know, working in this industry, even though we cover one specific team at times, you kind of keep an eye on what's going on with teams in the division and just around the league. But, you know, give us the gist of your thoughts on the Bears offseason, what you loved, what you hated. And don't hesitate to be brutally honest because we are brutally honest here at the Bear Report, too, about this team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think – and. I guess let me know if Bear fans feel differently, but to a degree, there's a little bit of overlap with him and Love in terms of Bear fans probably want to see, like, all right, is Justin Fields going to be the guy, you know, moving forward for this franchise? So I feel like this is a big year for him in that regard. Um, you know, they Chicago went out and put uh, added to the offensive line, I believe. Um, obviously, the the addition of DJ Moore in the receiver room in terms of adding other skill positions around him. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, adding a couple 
uh, linebackers to the mix good as well. So the, the NFC North as a whole is just, it's really, really interesting in terms of how things are going to shake out. Cause I feel like with all four teams, you know, you there's cases you can make for the positive outcome. And then there's cases that you can make for why things might not go well and really just about anything in between. So this division as a whole is going to be really interesting to watch. I know I was on an interview with the lions reporter before this and you know he kind of said the same thing he's like look no matter what happens i mean the division is just about as wide open as it gets but you know focusing specifically on justin because he's played four games against green bay now over the last two seasons i mean what are your thoughts on him as a quarterback because you know from a bears perspective it's crazy when i talk to people i mean their whole thing is just jordan love's not going to succeed he's not as good as you know Many one thinks that he is, whereas with Justin, it's kind of the typical, like, you know, fan thought process of, well, our guy's the best guy out there and our guy for sure is going to succeed. But the NFL, nothing's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think with with Fields, it's coming down to, you know, showing that progression and 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 passing ability. I mean, that's that's the big thing that has to click for him this year. It's year three. It's going to be a second season with uh, Luke Getze, uh, former Packers off or quarterbacks coach as the Bears offensive coordinator. So, you know, typically if you're going to see a jump, you know, year two is when it's going to happen. I look back at the, you know, 2019 Packers versus the 2020. Both teams finished with 13 wins. But in terms of how the offense operated, the 2020 unit was so much more efficient. It was so much more effective. And I think a key contributor to that was it was the second year in the offense. It allowed Matt LaFleur to go deeper into the playbook. Everybody's more comfortable with what their responsibilities are and are out there playing more so than thinking. So for Justin Fields, I think that's the big thing that he has to show all of us is making that jump in the second year of Getsy's system. And then also, uh, again, that jump as, as, as a passer of the football is going to be the thing that we all have our eyes on. Yeah, I mean, I totally hear you on that. And it's just, I think it's this certain natural progression that takes place in terms of year one, you're just trying to learn the terminology, learn mm-hmm. the system, learn the foundational concepts. And then year two is where you really get into the nitty gritty of it. And I think that the second year is where, because you mentioned Luke Getze, but the second year is where the real evaluation of a coach tends to take place in terms of can the coach ensure that the players are also putting all the pieces to the puzzle together. But mm-hmm. got about one or two more for you here. I mean, the Bears have a roster that's loaded with young talents. One of the youngest teams in the league. A year ago, you could argue that they were one of the oldest teams in the league. But, I mean, which player outside of the obvious answer, Justin Fields, do you have your eye on in terms of saying that's a guy that is facing a boomer bust season in 2023? Mm, that's a, a good question. Um I mean, I think uh, offensively, I mean, and boomer bust may be a little strong, but Cole Komet, someone that I'll be uh, watching just because, again, knowing Getsy and bringing over some of that Lafleur style. The tight end plays an important role in in that offense, both as a blocker and also being someone to to turn to in the passing game. Um, Robert Tunyon, now Chicago Bear. I mean, he was he was a uh, a very, very reliable target for Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers during his time in Green Bay. And again, the tight end position, especially in this Lafleur, 
you know, going back to Shanahan offense, it's, it's all encompassing their, their ability to block is, you know, just as important as their ability to impact the passing game. So I think he's someone that, uh, if he can continue on his progression, I think he's someone who can impact the offense and it might not always show up on the stat sheet. Again, going back to that, uh, the importance of blocking within the offense, but I think he's someone who could, you know, impact their offense in in a, in a positive way. Yeah. You brought up Robert Tunney and Lucas Van Ness, Cole Komet on this. I mean, they all kind of grew up in roughly the same area as did Peter Scaranci. I not even joking. The week of the draft, I was talking to one of my buddies and I'm like, you know that one of the, cause it was a phone conversation between us as I was driving up to Alice hall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know that one of these local Chicago area kids, either if whether it's Skaronski or Van Ness, one of them's gonna end up with the Packers. <laughs> and as soon as and I'm like, that's just destiny right there waiting to um happen, right? You grow up watching a specific team and then what happens is mm-hmm. you know, you get drafted to their rivals. But last one for you here, I mean, how about a Bears and Packers record prediction for the upcoming season? Ah. Uh. I've really gone back and forth on on the Packers, um, and I think for now I'm going to land on. Uh, I'll go. I'll go that they go seven and ten. The Packers in their first season um, under Jordan Love. Uh, as far as the Bears, I'll be honest. I haven't dove into the full extent of their schedule at this point, uh, but I would. I'll guess that they're in the same ballpark in that six ish, five, six, seven ish win range. Yeah, I have a slightly higher expectations for both teams. I do see both teams possibly putting it together enough to the point where they are flirting around with a playoff spot come the holiday season. But just knowing the way I feel like this season is going to go, it would not surprise me at all to see the Lions actually win the division because they Mm -hmm. do have the most continuity of any of the four teams within the division. But Paul, where can people follow your work and keep up with you? Yeah, absolutely. I can find my work at over at Packers wire, uh, as well as Dairyland express. I'm putting up uh, typically two, three articles a day, Packers related content. So, and find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel. Absolutely. This has been awesome. You are welcome back on the show anytime. It's going to be a fun season. So I know we'll go, you know, back and forth in a healthy manner on the timeline throughout the season. But thanks so much for hopping on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. So those were two real awesome interviews. I think just listening to Paul as well as John talk, there is more than we like to think regarding the Packers as well as lines. I mean, personally, I think both teams have incredibly talented rosters. You look at where both teams are at and both teams are hoping that the arrow is pointing upward. I think the arrow is pointing more so upwards for Detroit rather than Green Bay because Green Bay has had a lot of roster turnover this offseason outside of the quarterback position, whereas for Detroit, it's been a lot of continuity that exists. And so before we get out of this thing, I mean, make sure you are liking, rating, and subscribing to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. And then check out the Bear Report website as well. Training camps here. We're going to have daily notebooks for you guys, daily 
breakdowns on our Bear Report TikTok page. We are going to be going all in on the analysis. So good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you may be. It's been pleasant having you join us for this episode. And as always, bear down and we'll see you next time.